So, so at this march, this where do you fit? God has really been doing something powerful, and something powerful, I believe, even through what we call where do you fit? God is literally growing a church before our eyes. This Sunday, we had 292 in total attendance, subtracting out anybody who attended both services. Subtracting them out once, we had 292 in total attendance. Now, last week we had 204. Two weeks ago, we had 180. Three weeks ago, 230. So if you just take from two weeks ago till this Sunday, we literally went from 180 on a Sunday to 292 on a Sunday. That's that's right there. That's the hardest principle. That's, and, 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 and so... I know numbers numbers aren't everything. You're right, numbers aren't everything, but God felt numbers were enough to name an entire book after numbers. And, and, and so they do mean something. And, and so I'm talking about the harvest tonight. I'm talking about the harvest. And it starts out with Jesus talking ministering in, in chapter 9, verse 32. We're going to kind of break through these and, and just break down each individual uh, individual. Principle. So Matthew 9 tells us, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It's never been so seen in Israel. How many would say that's miraculous? How many would say that is just absolutely amazing? That someone who could not talk suddenly was able to talk. So the, the first principle here that I want to talk about is God wants to do a mighty work and he does not want anyone bound by Satan's power. He does not want anyone bound by Satan's power. So you are not bound by the enemy's power. Here's Jesus giving an example. He and the disciples. And, and they come across a man. Not only that, they're going through cities and as they're going through these cities and these towns, everybody that's sick is healed. Not just one or two. Everyone that's sick is healed. And God is just doing this amazing, amazing thing. So, Pastor said that um, God's will is that nobody is bound by Satan's power. And he also talked about our numbers. When I see numbers, I don't see a number. I see people. Because every single one of those numbers represent a person that was in this place that came to Jesus. And whether they're bound by the enemy or whether they're serving God and they need to do something for the Lord, every single one of those is a person that came to this place that we can minister to them. So when I think about numbers, I just think about that as one more person that we can minister to, that we can tell Jesus about, that may be bound by the enemy's power. So that just encourages me because no one should be bound up by Satan. And that's what we're here to do, is when they come through that door, is we're here to be used in the spirit realm to help them find their place, whether they need salvation, whether they need baptism, whether they need the infilling of the Holy Ghost, whether they need deliverance, whether they need healing, whatever it is. Every one of those numbers means that was a person that needed Jesus that came through that door. And so that's what we, that's where we fit. 
Because we are filled with the Holy Ghost. We see those needs. We can discern what the Lord's doing. And He's doing a great thing. And the harvest is plenteous. And we are those laborers that can minister. Amen. And, and with that, he, he empowered his disciples. It yes. wasn't just yes. Jesus, but he, they were going through these towns and these cities and, and they were healing everyone. People come in here. People come into your life, not even just in here. People perhaps in your family and, and they find themselves bound to something, what, whatever it is. And God perhaps has placed you in their life to lead them out of that bondage that they are in. Yeah. And the only way to do that is through the power of God. God wants to do a mighty work, and He does not want anyone bound right. by Satan. I want you to think about that right. for a minute. There are people in your life right now that you are praying for, that right. you are, are earnestly seeking God for, and and you don't, guess what? You have the power and the authority. You need to pray in faith, believing that God is going to do the work in your life. And you cannot let doubt enter in and discourage you from praying those prayers of faith because you are what's standing there between them and their deliverance. You are the one that's interceding. You are the one that is travailing. You are the one that makes a difference because your prayers make a difference. Oh, hallelujah. If you believe that, clap your hands to the Lord. So, so Jesus is going through. And, and, and he is, he is, people are being healed. People are being set free. He's empowering the disciples. But verse 34 says, But the Pharisees said, he cast out devils through the prince of devils. The Pharisees said, He cast out devils through the prince of devils. Principle number two. When God starts using you, criticizers are going to come out. Be ready. They're coming. When God starts using you, no matter where He starts using you, it, it, you can be used, it, you know, visually, and everybody knows it. And, and, and guess what? The devil's somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to criticize you, Lord of God. Somebody's going to say, "Well, I, I saw them in town. I, it, you know, I, you don't know them like I know them. You don't know what they did in their past." And, and, and yet, and even sometimes in the church, we can all get to that place that perhaps we kind of give that look. Can I get an amen? And, and, and well, what, what, what do they think? But you see, there's always going to be someone around you in your life with a critical spirit. If you think about this, Jesus sent forth his disciples and there was 12 of them but it never it, it doesn't cease to mention the name of Judas Iscariot because it, Judas has a purpose he might not be good but he has a purpose and, and, and sometimes that it, sometimes someone being critical it, it's, it takes that it takes that push against us to cause us to push forward if you didn't have anybody pushing against you, sometimes you'd probably just lay back and chill and relax and, and, and just, you know, let it be and whatever will be, will be. But, but you've got these criticizers. 
and, and, and they're going to come out when you're doing something for God. They're telling, they're saying that Jesus is casting out devils, but then what they're saying, he's doing a good work. But let me tell you why he's doing it or how he's doing it. There's always going to be some of that. Someone's going to always bring up your mistakes. Somebody's going to always bring up what you could have, what you possibly did wrong in the situation, and, and, and it's not always the world. Sometimes it's people close. Sometimes it's people in the church. Sometimes it's people in your family. Sometimes it's your closest friends, because all of a sudden you start moving forward in God, and when you start moving forward in God, if they aren't one to move forward like that. They're going to start criticizing you. It, it happens. And, and, and because they don't want you getting too far in, in the race of life. They don't want you getting too far. And sometimes youngers pass elders and the elders are, are, are wait a second. And well, what are they doing? Or, or how are they doing that? Or whose name are they doing that in? And, 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 and we they get critical. And, and in, in that, we've got to realize that that sometimes we've just got to pay the price. There's going to be criticizers. There's going to be people saying you're doing it wrong. Now, now, if, if it's your leadership, you need to listen. If it's the Word of God, you need to listen. But how does Jesus, how does Jesus handle the criticizers? How does He handle those that said He was? They were calling Him a devil. Such a question. The Bible says there is therefore no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So when that criticism starts coming, you just start quoting that scripture. Quote that scripture to yourself because the enemy's going to come trying to knock at your door, pulling you right back where you just came out of. Don't look back. Don't look back at Egypt. Don't look back at those things that you've let go of. You just keep going. All of us have a past and the enemy knows that. And he wants to come in trying to tell you, oh, well, look where you were. Look what you did. Look what you did last week. Look what you said. You didn't do that, right? None of us are perfect. And the enemy was there when you messed up. And he's going to remind you of that. How, how many mistakes do we allow someone to make and repent and come back to God before we stop having anything to do with it. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. Do we really act like that? I've I, I felt this before. This, this is just a pastoral thing, okay? I have felt this before. I've been like, I hope nobody that you know, came up, when I say came up, I don't mean as a kid, I, I mean they just were born again in this church and, and filled with the Spirit and then they make mistakes and then they fall and then, you know, we help pick them back up. You which are spiritual, what do we do? Restore we restore one. such one. We, if we're spiritual, if we're not spiritual, we, we kind of point fingers at them, right? And we criticize and here's this critical spirit right here, but and here we uh, but if we have mercy and grace and love and, and we restore them, then God can use them. Now, here's the issue, and I just want to kind of throw this out there. Is it easier? I'm going to talk to church folks for a second. Is it easier to, for somebody 
to go to another church and be used by God as opposed to going to their own church where everybody's seen them make their mistakes. Much easier. Much easier. But should it be? No. Absolutely. That's good. It depends on the person. Yeah. And, 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 and so I made my mind up. I was like, I don't want somebody to have to go to Atlanta to church. Because they made a mistake. And everybody saw them. I, I would rather restore them in love. Be spiritual. And then be used mightily of God here. Because I have seen people leave churches be used mightily of God and other people. Yes. Other people. I'm going to tell you straight up. Without the mic on. <laughs> Brother Matt and Roxy drove all the way from Arkansas, 12 hour drive, to be, at our, be here this weekend. Because he said we made such a difference in his life when he was 16, a 16-year-old, 16 his word, punk. And, and, and yet, I don't, God did something in that young man. I mean, he, he was on fire, he was here, he was living for God, and, 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 but he was so aggressive. Amen. <laughs> and, 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 and it was kind of like, man. You know, he he was kind of like a wildfire. He was 16 years old, and he felt like he needed to be pastor. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and so, and to come in here and, and look at him being used of God in Arkansas, I'm, I'm glad he is because he had a call him to be a pastor. I'm glad he is. But, but I can see how he kind of some degree, among some people, perhaps had to go out and, and prove itself. Jesus, yeah. What was it, Jesus? He could do no mighty works. He had to go out. But it wasn't his power. It wasn't that he couldn't be used. It was because people. I don't know which harvest principle that is because it's not one I got on here. But, but we, we need to grab that as a harvest principle. You, you, there are people that you work with. There are people that you went to church with here before. There are people that you're related to. They make mistakes and they messed up. And, and God is going to restore them. God is going to do a work in them. And I don't care how bad it's been. You've got some grandmothers like Sister Roe back there. It's just praying and praying and praying and praying. And, praying and stop the prayer. You've got some mothers and some foster mothers and, 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 and like sister brother and sister of all father mother that are just praying and i think she's had over 200 through her homes i don't know how long your prayer list is but man that might be part of why you're our prayer leader because that prayer list has been so long oh what's another couple of hundred you know, let's just pray let's pray hallelujah hallelujah amen can i add to that um one person came to mind when Pastor was talking about that when they're raised in the church and we watch them I and we watch them grow and we watch all these things. Christina, we watch Christina, but look what the Lord has done. When God can just raise them up 
and say, oh, no, see, let me use my girl. She, I anointed her when she was young. I got news for you. Teenagers, they're going to be teenagers. They're going to be turkeys. We're going to be ready to read their necks. We just want to do all the things with them. But trust me, they're going to come out of the craziness, and Jesus is going to do a work. And when God does it, it's a whole work. Because he don't make mistakes, and he don't do it halfway. Just like with the blind man, he said, well, I see men in the streets. He said, hang on, baby, let's do this again. Let me fix this so I can clean him up completely and do a new thing. I, I was just on I was just on text the other night. This whole youth group from when we first became pastors here. Uh, you had Matt, you had Logan, you had Christina, you had Marcus and Eli. And I know y'all don't know them, but but Marcus Mara and, and Eli Marcus and Eli got the Holy Ghost one night on the same night. God poured out his spirit on them. They got the Holy Ghost. And, and I was sitting here talking, we were sitting at lunch talking about the evangelist that was here and how they got the Holy Ghost just the other day with Matt and Brother Green. And uh, in that night, guess who starts texting me? Marcus starts texting me. And, and, and he's in Japan right now. God's really doing a work in his life. He said he's coming online and he's like, Pastor, I'm, I'm there. It's a different time, but I'm there. And, uh, and, and God was moving on him. He was asking about Eli. And I, I've been having Eli on my heart. And I don't know anything about where he's at. But, but just God God will take all those. And then that next generation. And then that next generation of you. I've, I've had several generations at this point. 20 years. And, and, and God's going to do a work in them. And in the ones that are here right now. I believe it. I believe it. So it says. Uh, Sister Joy. starts using you, criticizers are going to come out. Be ready. They're coming. But is that going to limit you? Are you going to let the criticizers in your life hinder you? Or are you going to allow them to propel you forward and further and closer to God? Amen. 
Oh, there's therefore no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The reference. Can somebody Google that? Because it just Romans 8 1. Thank you. See all these scholars. <laughs> it just came in my spirit. No. I'm gonna Google where it's at. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And then, so verse 35, we're, we're moving through the scripture. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And what was the principle number two? Does anybody remember? All right, so we're going to move from principle number two to principle number three. What did Jesus do when the criticizers came out and started criticizing him and started saying he was doing what he was doing in, 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 by the devil? He scripture. quoted scripture, but look at what happens. The next verse, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, preaching, healing, every sickness and every disease. So the, the principle is you have to keep going in spite of your past in spite of your criticizers, in spite of your how unworthy you feel, how unworthy you feel, how unworthy you feel, in spite of the inadequacies that you feel, you've got to keep going anyways, in spite of your lack, what you're lacking, what you feel like you're lacking, in, in, in spite of how others, notice this, the Pharisees were looking at him and criticizing him, but what did he do? He had to keep going. He he went. He kept moving forward. He kept going. And, and in spite of how others feel, if you're going to limit yourself because of what others feel about you or their opinion of you, you just got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep preaching. You've got to keep teaching. You've got to keep healing. You've got to keep allowing the, the Holy Ghost to use you. He kept going. He didn't stop. Don't let your criticizers stop you. Don't let your criticizers stop you. Hallelujah. And then don't. I just want to ask a question right there. Does anybody have any like input on how to overcome that defeat? Because when people start criticizing you, and you know, say, you know, whether you sang a song or you taught a Bible study or you ate, made a coffee in the coffee shop, and somebody was like, "Oh, well, this wasn't right. This didn't taste right," or whatever. How do you? What do you do personally to like overcome that? Sister Jocelyn. Well, you said personally. It's been times that I, we all have that I felt unworthy. Right. And so when that criticism comes, it came to me more from your past. Because people have remembered, I was very boisterous and loud, and I'm so loud. But I'm saying, there's a lot of things that people remember the six feet tall female acting up. So they will constantly remind me of my past, and they will constantly remind me of of this is where you stay. That's the way I felt. You stay right, right here. Right. You know, to come up here requires a different class. But I had it in me. Right. But I didn't. I wasn't doing it because I was. I was heeding to the criticism because if I'm going to be that clown or I'm going to be that what they want me to be, I felt like it was okay because at least they paid me some attention. At least I got some type of note, you know, being noticed. And then I had to realize that that wasn't good, that wasn't positive, that was toxic. And so I was feeding into what they were saying. Right. So now what I do now is 
individuals may not come, per se. They might not be bold enough to come because I think that we've grown past that, but it, it has no age on it. But what I do now is the enemy will come in your head, right. and he will tell you, look, look, look at what you're doing. You know, how are you going to lead this? How are you going to do this? You know, they, they, they really don't like you. Or they, they, he will put any negative. Right. You know, you've embarrassed your kids years ago, so, you know, they're looking at you. Kids ain't paying no attention, but I'm saying he will put things right. God knows that embarrassed So sometimes but, you feel right. like it would be easier just to move to Kuwait so, and get a to it. No devil. No devil. That is not the way it is. The words that's greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. If God called me to it, God's going to get me through it. You better talk yourself through that nonsense because that negativity that's trying to keep you from doing something for God, that ain't God. That's not the Lord. That's not how he calls us to things. Um, Yaslin and then Christina. Yes. So what you're saying, Scripture's powerful, what you're saying is sometimes the criticizer is not someone else, but it's what you think yourself. And how many, I'm, I'm going to ask for a show of hands, has ever thought somebody was criticizing you and you had no proof, you had no evidence, and you just thought, I know what they're saying. Right, right, and you got no proof of what they were saying. And, and, and you were convinced, you're convinced in your mind they're saying this. I mean, how many, let's go ahead, let's be honest. And you're convinced that they had to. And, and you got no evidence. If you don't, you need to chunk it. Because that might be the enemy in me that might be the enemy in me that's telling me all these lies that I can't be used that God can't use me who was next? Christine I 
stop coming because you can't stop coming because you're allergic to people. Right. So I'm missing out. I'm losing out on my spirituality and on what God wants for me and for other people's opinions. That didn't work out. So I'm expressing myself, myself, accepting my past mistakes. I'm learning from them, and I also have to encourage myself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. trying to fight and overcome 
their alcoholic tendencies and they get up that morning and it's going to be a great day and they 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 cut their uh, Amazon radio music on worship and they start worshiping God and they pray and then they get in the car and they're going down I-95 and then all of a sudden you know their drink that they had when they were in the world before they got delivered standing there on a billboard just you know flashing at them and they're like and they have that craving go through they have that taste in their mouth and they have that craving and that's it's lust everybody has a lust of some type and if you stop it there that you know that's great but if you don't all of a sudden that lust hath conceived and brings forth sin when they stop down the road at the convenience store and they walk in and they see that drink that they like so much sitting there on the shelf and they have to walk right by it to get their Coca-Cola and they, they push through again. It's just, there's this fight, there's this battle sometimes and it says Jesus had compassion on these people that were going through life and, and they were going through with the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. Now did that multitude, were they holy and loved him and perfect and full of full of uh, overcoming power and they came to church and worshiped every sunday or were they people that were just trying to live life just trying to put a roof over their head get get enough gas for their camel and you know moving on and just trying to make it which one was it? it says when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered through life they, they were hearing negative stuff they were getting all kinds of false stories and phony things and all kinds of negative pictures and videos and and whatever was social media was uh, in, in their day was just attacking them and Jesus looked at them and he was moved with compassion on them he had compassion on them the end part of that scripture sheep having no shepherd the Lord just dumped it in my spirit sometimes we meet people that have been in church all their life and that's all they know but then something happens and they're sheep that have no shepherd because of so much church hurt. And so many things, the criticizers and the people that hurt them, the Judases that came in their life. And that's where that's what we're here for, is to show those people that, that a church can be compassionate. People can love you. Yes, you were hurt. Yes, we understand that. And church hurt is a real hurt. And there is very, very deep hurts that come from church hurt because that's where we trust people. You come to church and you trust people. You come to church and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. You come to church and you think they're not going to hurt you. And then they do. And that's hard to overcome. And so sometimes they're sheep having no shepherd because they walked away because of the hurt. And I promise you, they're coming through this door. They're coming through these doors. They may be sitting on the pews with you on Sunday and you don't even know it. And maybe they don't have it all put together, but there's so much church hurt that they're just trying to get back to Jesus. They're just trying to get back to His feet because they've been so hurt by people. And that's where we have to be different. 
We have to be like Jesus and have compassion no matter what kind of nonsense that they might do or say or act or look like or whatever. We have to get past that and be like Jesus. Because we don't want to be accused of being that one that hurt them. We don't want to be accused of making that sheep just go out for the slaughter again because they have no shepherd because we hurt them in the church. It's all about that compassion. How much can we love them no matter how crazy they act? Yeah, when you say that and, and you're bringing that reference up, I think of another reference, sheep having no shepherd. And I'm thinking as a, as a father, and, and, and you know, in the setting of uh, just a, a godly family, uh, a father and mother and brothers and sisters, and that father is like that shepherd. And how many children and young men and young women were rejected by the father? And, and they find themselves just scattered in life. Sheep without a shepherd. And, and they, don't, they don't know God, perhaps. And they, they don't have a relationship with God. They've never known God. And they also have never really had a father. Some of them have never really had a mother. And, uh, and, and they're just, you know, we've got to have compassion on them. And, and we've got to have that principle, that principle that we need compassion. The harvest needs people that are going to be compassionate. We have got to have that compassion. We have got to put ourselves for a moment in someone else's shoes. What if I had been that one riding down the road that was battling alcohol and kept looking up at that billboard every day and, and kept having to go through that same store to pick my Coke up and my sausage biscuit and kept walking by that temptation that just kept luring me, that kept pulling at me, that kept reaching at me. And then one day I was weak, one day you know, I, I, I went that route and I, I wasn't full of the Holy Ghost. And one day I, I went that route and I had a bad night and I didn't sleep much and I was struggling. And I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we've got to have compassion. We've got to be compassionate, Sister Joy. to realize that we've got to be healed from hurt. 
there are people that are, are so close to God, so close to, not close to God, but they're so close to be where they're supposed to be in God, but they have this hurt, this unforgiveness, this bitterness. Bitterness is like a cancer. Once it gets in your spiritual, man, it will, it will literally devour your entire spirit. And, and, and so in the church, we have to constantly forgive. And, and that's, and, and everybody usually when pastor starts on that, they're like, yeah, 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 pastor. We pray. Yeah, yeah. And that's that voice, yeah, I was talking about. That's kind of what I, when I started on that. But, but the fact is, it, is it's so true. There are people that are not in the house of God today because they're bitter. There are people in the house of God today that are bitter and it, it, it's the fact of when we have we'll be good about 90% of everything and oh yes we've forgiven uh, we've forgiven John and we've forgiven Betty and we've forgiven Gary and we've forgiven James and whoever Peter and Paul but you know what we Mary how long did it take Martha to forgive Mary and, uh, it, it, and so, you know, she had to work through that. And, and, and their personalities just kind of did this sometimes. And, and, and you know, and, and Mary just always seemed to say the right thing. You know, here I am working as hard as I can work, trying to get all this done so we can take care of all these people in the house. And Mary, you're sitting over there at the feet of Jesus, and I'm doing all the work, Lord. And, and then, Lord, is it fair? And, and, and you know, and and then the Lord says, well, "Mary's chosen the better part. Now she's got to forgive Jesus." <laughs> now she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'm just gonna step back and let y'all serve yourself." How many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven times seven. Seventy times seven. Does that mean that at 491, we just go, okay, okay, I don't have to forgive you ever again. I'm good. We're just good with that. You know, it does get harder. It does get harder. It does get harder. Because the more times somebody does the same thing, you feel justified to not forgive them. The more time James comes in here on Sunday and he says, I did good Monday, I did good Tuesday, I did good when I rode right by that sign and I walked right by that cooler. But on Friday, I was tired. You know what I'm going to tell him? You did good Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And you slipped Friday. But a criticizer is going to say, you knew better. You knew. You should have just not gone there. You should have not done that. You should. That's what a criticizer is going to do. But how can Which I, way should we be? How can I help John? James, whoever I call him. It's not going to help say, you know, you shouldn't have done that. I need to tell him, man, you, you did good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You, you messed up Friday. Let's get up. Let's pray about it. Let's ask God to empower us. And, and, and you call me next Friday on your way. And, and, and let's talk. While you're going to work. And let, let me help you overcome this. 
and, and, and ye which are spiritual, restore. That wasn't even part of the principles. Amen. So, principle number five, Nana. One interesting thing I think in reference to the forgiveness of seven times seventy is it doesn't say if it's per day, per week, per year, but I like to think of it as per day. You know, because sometimes we get on a roller coaster of I don't care. We are messing up every time we turn around. So, striving to say that seven times seventy per day. You got gold to reach. Yeah. Don't stretch it out over a long period of time. <laughs> Your allotment for one year. <laughs> Your allotment one year. And the end of that is over. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God's good. Right, right. And the hard line in the sand is forgive. Because if we forgive not, he can't what? While pastor's looking this at it, Brother Duvall. You know, uh, since you said that, since you, since you said that, Charlie <laughs> <laughs> says that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. So if love covers a multitude of sins, God is love, and we, we just deal with one individual. God got to deal with all of us. 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 Sister Heather said it wasn't me, uh, just in case you were thinking. No, but um, um, what I was trying to uh, add to what uh, Brother Duvall was saying, um, it might, you know, a lot of times when we, even you, when we draw that line and we want someone, some people misunderstand that we can forgive, but we don't have to accept the continual foolishness of someone, you know, or the constant... Uh, uh, toxicity that they will bring to your life. You have the right to separate yourself. You have the right to not, you don't have the right to un, um, not forgive, but you have the right to put limitations and say, hey, enough is enough because I was codependent and everything and it's like I didn't know how to say no. So when you grow up a way, you push back also. I push my way, my way, my way on the kids not understanding you know, or different people. You can't push yourself. You have to let God do what he needs to do. And you have to learn to do it in the right mannerism because if you don't, you're you're being toxic and it's not fair that someone has to deal with someone's toxicity and it's not right. You forgive. We forgive them and take it to the Lord who's going to conquer shame. But it doesn't give you the go sign to continue doing what you're doing that is not of God that's not right. So, with... <laughs> There are boundaries. There, there, there are boundaries, absolutely. But I do want to mention, I remember I'd been filled with the Holy Ghost for several years. We'd been to Bible college 
we'd come home from Bible college, we were in church, and I thought I was living for God, I thought I was doing great, you know, I, I was just living the best apostolic life that I knew how to live. And this preacher came in and read the scripture, and I read it, and I read it many times, but I still hadn't gotten it, and, and he just read it in a way this night in a revival that I, I started listening, and then he didn't stop. It was like every night of the revival. He kept mentioning this same scripture, and he just was messing me up. And, uh, and I, I, I just had to get, so it says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors, right? So we forgive people that have hurt us, and uh, that, that's very important, right? Forgive, we're asking God forgive us as we forgive those who have offended us, hurt us, done anything. So we're, we're, we're kind of putting that in our Father prayer. God, you know, forgive me because I'm forgiving everybody else. And forgive me because I'm not holding any grudge or anything like that against anyone, right? Uh, just just forgive me. And, and then, he, then he goes on, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will do what? Forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So for me, it was kind of like this. It was kind of like, here I am, walking in grace. This is me, this little bottle cap. And I've repented, I've been baptized, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. In that blood has got my sin covered. Nobody sees it. Nobody. I'm just covered, completely covered. But anybody ever notice your temper flaring a little bit? Times get more tense. You know, you're short fused. You're and nobody ever did. Y'all are just kind of like this all the time. I've noticed sometimes that when that happens to me, I have to go back to the prayer room and forgive again. I have to go, we, and how we started was with a notebook, right? Everybody you've known, I remember that time he told us. I was like, is this dude, what? And, and he's like, write everybody you've known in your life down on this book. And I was like, how am I going to do that? So I started right through it. Then he said, okay, now pray for them every day. Every, go through the book. Okay, get you a little notebook. I've probably heard Sister Crutchfield talk about that before. Okay. Handy, dandy notebook. And, and, and so we're, we're praying that he said, pray for every one of those people every day. And when you pray for them and you don't feel anything, uh, you don't feel any, mm, mm, mark their name off. You know, you're good. And, and so all of a sudden we got down to where there was only like a few names on there. There wasn't many, but there were still a few names. And then when I truly forgave even those names, it was it was like this. It was it felt like I got the Holy Ghost all over again. It was this. It, I would have to explain it as this. There was this inner healing that happened in me. 
and, and it just consumed me. And I was able, I was able to get the victory. The I, I don't know. It just this. I was just. It was like I got the Holy Ghost all over again. And and, and so when we pray and and everything's good and we're forgiving people, but but when we don't and we're holding up, we choose to hold that grudge. We don't realize it, but we have pulled ourselves out from underneath a covenant with God. We have pulled ourselves out from underneath the cup. That's there's no other way to really explain that scripture that I, I can see. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, ladies, this is not just talking about men. <laughs> Praise God. Principle number five. Principle number five. The harvest is plenteous. I'm going to leave that there. It, there's not a harvest issue. We had 292 in church on Sunday. It's not a harvest issue. We had over 100 people difference between two weeks ago and this Sunday. It's not a harvest issue. The harvest is plenteous. Principle number six, the issue is not a harvest issue. It's a laborer issue. It's a laborer issue. The more the church leadership grows, the more the kingdom grows. The more people are empowered and accept what they're called to do, what they're supposed to do, or what they need to do, the more that the needs of people in the multitude are met. The more those needs are met. And I'm talking about, if you think about it, Sunday morning we had this 10 a.m., this 9.30 service, first time we've ever done that. And people came in here. There was like a hundred, over 100 people. There was more people Sunday morning at this brand new service, 115, than what's in our, we've got a lot of people back through there, kids in the classes, things I'm not just talking about here. There's more people on Sunday morning at 9.30 than there is right now in this whole building. And, and it, that, that, that's pretty awesome, but it lets us know that there's, a, there's not a harvest issue, there's a labor issue. And when we can meet the labor issue, it opens up room for the harvest. And God is able to, God can't send people in if we're not ready to harvest people. If we're not ready to have the harvest. But that, and that, that meets every criteria in the entire church. From the person who opens the front door, to the hostess and greeters that greet, to the media team that mediates, to the ushers and to the security team that takes care of our children and makes sure they're safe back there while we're in here to the to someone to sister Rowe when she gets those perfect lines on the floor and dares you if you're going to volunteer to not get those lines. And, and, and so I'm just messing but there are people in need they're in Hinesville but they're not just in Hines. They're all over this world. There, there are people that we are impacting right now that is not just in this city, but all over this world. I know it because I've talked to them in the last few weeks. And the more the leadership grows, 
the more the church grows. The more we meet people in their names. The church has been pregnant for some time. The church has been pregnant for some time. I remember when my wife was pregnant with my daughter. There was like, there was like eight ladies in the church pregnant at the same time. And you did not want to drink out of that water fountain if you did not want to yeah. And and we had a, we had an evangelist in and we had a prayer line. And in that prayer line you had these ladies and they all came up there. I mean, and they were miserable. They were angry. They were done. It's not it, it's like eight months and I don't know. It, it, we're, we're at nine months. And, and that evangelist says, anybody got a need? You want a miracle from God? Everybody, those ladies are daring anybody to get in front of Later tonight, before, the, before midnight gets here, I want to have this baby. And then the men were in line with them. Yes, God, please. Never have this time. Hallelujah. It's tonight.
And principle number seven is we are called, all of us are called to be harvesters. We are all called to be harvesters. Could we stand tonight? The other two points will be my secret. I'll send it to you later. Let's just lift our hands tonight. You're, you're a harvester. You, you may not realize how important you are, but you're a harvester. And the, the very things that you're going through or have perhaps gone through, Jesus himself went through them. When he was doing ministry, there were those that were among him, that were accusing him, criticizing him, but he kept going. And God's speaking into your life tonight. He wants you to keep going. He wants you to keep going. In spite of how you feel, in spite of what somebody said, in spite of that, that voice inside that keeps telling you to quit and throw in the time, all those things, you are a harvester. God's called you to be a harvester. And we are in the hour now that he is calling you out of being in any type of isolation or being locked away in a shell for some time or being hidden. But he's bringing your talents, he's bringing your callings to the surface. And you're going to have to make a choice and a decision because it's not what you were called to be in the world or do in the world. It's you were called to be a harvester to reap the harvest in this hour as he's coming forth. As the Lord is coming back for his church, he is looking for laborers to be in the harvest. It's not a harvest issue. It's a laborer issue. What labor is God calling you to do in this hour? Would you call on the name of Jesus right now? Would you just lift up your voice all over this building? Altar is open if you want to talk to the Lord for a few moments. If God has spoken to you tonight. Oh, if God's encouraged you tonight, ministered to you tonight, would you come forward? Would you reach out to Him? He's called you in this hour to be a harvester. The harvest is plenteous. The harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are few. In the name of Jesus, we lift you up, God. We praise you. We exalt you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, have your way in this place tonight, God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
but in calling you to become a harvester. I am sending you forth into the world. I am sending you forth to minister in places that you do not feel as though you are a minister. I am sending you forth into the highways and the byways to compel them to come to me. When I send you out, you're away, even out of town. I'm going to continuously put the harvest at your hands because you're a harvester built by this principle. It's not just a Sunday harvest situation, but I am sending you forth to minister. And sometimes people will not see the evidence of the harvest. Trust in me. I have placed you in the places that I have called you to. Don't look for the evidence. Simply look for the fruit to bear from your life. We lift our hands for a moment, just worship.
Oh God, increase in our lives. Increase spiritually. Oh God, and increase, oh Lord, for every need and resource that is needed. In every household, oh Lord, in every family. Oh God, and in the ministries of this church. We pray that you bless it abundantly, Lord God. Oh God, and bless your spirit abundantly in our lives, oh God. As we go, protect us and keep us until we return. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Principle number nine, harvesters are empowered. Harvesters are empowered. I don't want you to not have that. If you're a harvester, you're going to be empowered by God. Step out and give, shake hands, be friendly. God bless you tonight.